All right, welcome to my new show. Got it, something interesting for you. What's a billionaire's secret to going from zero to one and then beyond, right? So I'm gonna be talking about in this book of the day show, Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Uh, if you don't know who Peter is, um, that's fine, but he's a pretty well-known guy in certain circles. Silicon Valley, the business world, I think he's worth about $2 billion. Um, founder, investor in many things that you would know. PayPal, I think he was early investor in things like Facebook and all these big companies. But beyond just being you know, a billionaire, he's one of the smarter people on the planet. So if you know what I'm all about and what this show is all about is going straight to the top, to the smartest people in the world. Now, I'm gonna be doing something special that I just decided I wanna do because a lot of people are asking. Reach out to me during the show with your questions and I'm gonna answer, I only have time to answer uh, a few of them, but reach out at, at Ty Lopez if you're on Twitter or if you prefer Facebook, post on my fan page. It's facebook.com slash Ty Lopez official, okay? Go ahead and post uh, questions you have on this book or anything you want to know and uh, I will get back to you if I can't get back to you on the live show I'll try to get back with you uh, on Twitter or Facebook and answer okay it's a little bit easier I get, I'm starting to get you know a thousand emails at a time and it's too hard to always answer there but social like Twitter is pretty easy to answer because people can only ask <laughs> short questions and it's easier for me to answer quickly so this book which by the way is the book of the day deal. I'm doing a special deal today. Uh, I'm gonna be giving this book away to you completely free uh, when you join the VIP program that I have. So I have a VIP kind of coach mentor program where I meet with people. In fact, I'm doing one right after this TV show where uh, you can get on live with me twice a month and we're gonna go through the things that I've learned in health, wealth, love, and happiness, but also we're gonna be going through, and I'm challenging you now to the 24 book challenge, okay? It's two books a month. We do them together. See, most people try to do just self-learning. Guess what with self-learning? Problem with self-learning is all of us procrastinate. Me, you, we're all guilty of that. So when you have some curriculum, that's the good thing about colleges and universities, is right, you're going through a curriculum. So I've got this VIP program um, and right now, usually, you know, that VIP pro, the way I priced it, I priced it less than the average person spends on a cup of coffee. So it comes out to about two bucks a day. It's, uh, I think $67 or something like that. And when you do that, I'm going to send you a free copy of this book brand new. Okay. So it's a good deal. Cause this is a, I don't forget what it is. $20 book or something. Um, so that's the book of the day deal. I do different deals. Oh, also on top of that, should be a button under here if you want to follow along and buy this book. You'll also get my insider notes to this book, plus I'm throwing $100 or more worth of bonuses because you're going to get a free um, you're going to get a free access to my smart reading system. 7 book series, 7 video series. Anyway, let's get to this. We'll talk more about that later. Make sure you ask me some questions on Twitter or instead of email or Facebook if you can. All right, so this book starts out with a powerful sentence. This is going to go counter to a lot of what you've heard. Every moment in business happens only once. 
the next Bill Gates will not build an operating system. The next Larry Page or Sergey Brin, the founders of Google, won't make another Google. The next Mark Zuckerberg won't create a social network. If you are copying these guys completely, he says, you aren't learning from them. Of course, it's easier to copy a model than to make something new, right? But every time we create something new, we go from zero to one. The act of creation is singular, and it is the moment of creation, and the result is something fresh and strange. In your life, whether it's the diet you're going to follow, you know, I talk a lot about business, health, wealth, love, and happiness. Business, you're going to create the relationships you're going to form, the happiness you're going to uh, encounter. All of those need to be, according to Peter Thiel in this book, some level of creation. And you see that. This is a lag effect that often happens. I call it the lag effect, where somebody sees Mark Zuckerberg doing a Facebook, so they think, well, I don't need to innovate at all. I'm just going to take Zuckerberg's idea, change the website from blue to red, and boom, there you go. And let me just say, that is oftentimes a successful uh, business model. There's the two brothers, I forget their name right now. There's two guys in Germany. They're worth three brothers, actually. They're worth about six or ten billion dollars. And all they do is copy almost verbatim, almost idea for idea from great, let's say, U.S. ideas like Groupon or, or eBay or things like that. And they just do them in Germany. So certainly that goes against what Peter Thiel says. That's why one thing, whenever you're reading books, remember, nobody is a god. Nobody's a deity. Peter Thiel is certainly not, uh, you know, infallible. He makes mistakes. And I don't think it's a mistake what he said. I think it's nuanced. I think there's truth to what Pablo Picasso said, which is good artists copy and great artists steal. What Picasso meant, and if you look at his art, you will see confirmation of this. He did not uh, brush stroke for brush stroke steal from other artists. Yet, even he said, I was building upon, quote unquote, stealing from those great art masters throughout history. And you see that pattern over and over. Sir Isaac Newton said something like, if I'm tall, it's because I'm standing on the shoulders of great people that came before him. Einstein certainly uh, built off Newton and so on. Hawking built off of Einstein. The great philosophers followed. So in your quest to do big things, that's why I love the title of this book, Maybe you feel like you're at zero. The average person uh, in the world lives in financial scarcity. If you've been on my online business seminars recently, I've been doing a little online tour of these different seminars on business. You'll know the average person, I think, in the United States makes about 51000 a year. But yet, Nobel Prize winning researcher Daniel Kahneman says you have to make 75000 to achieve happiness in his research at Princeton. So uh, most people are in a position of zero. Think about it. 60% of the world is overweight. Take off all your clothes sometime. Look in the mirror. You know, it's a, I always say it's a scary time when you look at yourself, quote unquote, naked. That can be look at yourself in the mirror naked. That can be logging into your bank account and going, wait a second, you know, 
when I was 14, this wasn't the dream that I thought. I didn't think I'd be going paycheck to paycheck. Maybe you look at your love life, your friendships, it's all in, you know, shambles. And you look at your happiness, what is it? One out of three people in the world is on some kind of depression or anxiety medication. That's zero. And I'm not making fun of people because we've all been there. I've been there. Many areas of my life still there. But yet the process is zero to one is what he says. Be careful of the lag effect. If you're completely copying, you know, Facebook or this or the other, you are, uh, you are in a position of scarcity. So let's keep going through the book. Uh, so those are my first notes. He says, today's best practices will lead to dead ends. The best paths are new and, I tr- and untrue. If you were on the TV show I did uh, recently, I talked about um, the book where great ideas came from, come from, from, jo- from the author, his name is Johnson. And he basically says, it's very interesting. He talks about various paths to having good ideas, right? That's what Peter Thiel's talking about, coming up with innovation. He says, you know, you need serendipity, you need the deep dive, you need the adjacent possible. If you haven't picked up that book on my website, pick, make sure you check out. I had a good daily uh, book deal on that deal. And what he's saying there uh, is that the process of innovation, though, and this isn't talked about so much in this book, but I'm trying to piece together different things so that you get lots of different pieces of knowledge, the best of all books and the best of all great thinkers, is that a way to get that, though, it's not to go to either extreme. So you have one extreme of people who say, everything I do has got to be completely innovative. I don't want to copy anyone. I don't want even 1% lag effect. I don't want to lag behind someone else. You know, I want to, if, if, I'm never going to even make a social network because Mark Zuckerberg did and I don't want to do anything anyone else has done. That's one extreme. I hope you don't take that extreme, at least not for too often. Like Charlie Munger says, avoid extreme ideologies. The other extreme are people who are completely just copying at all times. And even though that's oftentimes successful, what Peter Thiel says here, it's not the best for the world at large because we don't need just people completely piggybacking uh, for their whole life off others. We do need people with brand new innovations. Remember though, there's seasons in your life. There's winter, spring, summer, and fall. Sometimes when you're in the winter of your life, you need to do an internship. You need to do an apprenticeship or a mentorship. You need to copy. Think about this. How do you learn to be a great musician? The greatest musicians of all time. Those musicians, not just that have a one-hit wonder, okay, on the radio now, but I'm talking about people who are going to pass the test of time. Well, we already know the answer to that. You got guys like Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, Tchaikovsky, right? These are all people that are standing the test of time. Bach was born in the 1700s, and every day in movies and TV shows, on the radio, in the elevator, you're listening to something that that man composed, okay? So in order to create, the, uh, to pass the test of time, I talked about this, and this isn't so much in this book, but I talked about it in my last business seminar. You got to avoid what's called the Buddhist, uh, the nudist Buddhist syndrome, Okay. And I'll I'll get it. What the nudist Buddhist says is you can be a nudist and people will give you a pass. They won't think you're too weird. Your friends are like, oh, that Thai guy has become a nudist. That's a little weird. And you can become a Buddhist. 
friends will be like, oh, that tie, he's, he became a Buddhist. All right, we'll give him a pass. That's kind of weird, but, you know, we've been friends a long time. But you can't be a nudist Buddhist because that's too weird. So when it's in business and you're marketing, I talk about how to get a million people to buy your product or buy into your idea, a million new customers. I've done that before in business and you can too. And one of the ways is mastering the nudist Buddhist principle, which is alluded to in this book, because what's this book talking about? It's saying, uh, you know, you can be too innovative. That's like the nudist Buddhist. You need to be just enough innovative like Bach. He innovated on the Baroque sounds, yet his sounds fell within somewhat of an acceptable conventional range so that people would listen to it. If he played weird, syncopated, avant-garde classical music, nobody would be listening to it. So I want to caution you as you read a book like this that you also temper it with the other great thinkers and the other great books that are out there. And each book is a unique ingredient Stephen Johnson, uh, Johnson talks about and where good ideas come from. We drop into our head a thought here. That's what he calls the deep dive, the serendipity. As you, He says that Bill Gates does this thing where once a year he goes and he reads a whole bunch of books in one week. He goes on a book vacation, an idea vacation, because it's not just the amount of ideas in your head. It's how quickly different ideas come into your head because the velocity allows them to bounce off each other, and that bouncing is where life comes from. Even at an atomic cellular level, it's the bouncing of different things at the right time and the right ingredient together with a little catalyst, maybe it was lightning, we don't know, and life begins, and that is how you begin innovation. So let's keep going through these, these secrets from a billionaire. Um, on page, uh, on, there's a lot that I circled here. I'm not going to be able to get to everything. <clears throat> so this is interesting. On chapter 3, he says, The business version of our contrarian question, because he asked a question in chapter 2, is, What valuable company is nobody building? So in business, if you've ever uh, had a dream, or you are currently an entrepreneur, you thought of it, I read 90% of people, at one point uh, wish, or, or 90% of humans wish they had taken their idea and turned it into a business. So the question that he as a billionaire asks is what valuable company is nobody building now? Because you have to have a business to capture. He says creating value is not enough. You also need to capture some of the value you create. That means even very big businesses can be bad businesses. For example, U.S. airline companies serve millions of passengers, so they create value for millions of people. The holiday season, you might be traveling around the world. Those airlines are creating a great service for you, or have created. He says U.S. airlines create hundreds of billions of dollars of value each year, but in 2012, when the average airfare each way was $178, the airlines made only 37 cents per passenger. Compare them to Google, which creates less value, but captures far more. Google brought in $50 billion, okay? So it created less value in the sense that airlines create hundreds of billions of dollars of reciprocal altruism. That's what I call money exchange. Google only brought in $50 billion versus $160 for the airlines. But Google kept 
21% of its revenue as profit, whereas the airline industry, uh, well, they created a, a, hundred per, a hundred times more value captured than the airline. You have to be profitable. Google makes so much money that it's now worth three times more than every U.S. airline combined because he says, and this is the crux of this book I'm going to get to next. I'm going to answer some of your questions and then I'm going to get to the most important part or the main part that I got value from in this book. He says the airlines compete with each other, but Google stands alone. Economists use two simplified methods to explain the difference. Perfect competition and monopoly. Because airlines are in such tight competition with the other, with each other. In a sense, they're almost copying from each other. You probably have your favorite airline, but if one airline's much cheaper than the other, you don't really care. They're a commoditized business, and commoditized businesses often experience or generally experience what's called perfect competition. You can make money in perfect competition. Alan Nation, my second mentor, used to say there's two types of businesses, commodity and brand businesses. If your idea is a commodity business, just understand, you will always be up against the wall, and the only way to really survive is to be the lo lowest cost and most efficient operator. But Google has no competition. And we're going to talk about that next. So let, let me answer a few questions. I got a few questions earlier today. You can reach out to me at Twitter, at Ty Lopez. Just ask me your question. Uh, you can hashtag uh, Book of the Day. And you can also do it on Ty Lopez, uh, uh, sorry, Facebook.com slash Ty Lopez Official. If you're watching a recording of this, go ahead and you can do it there too. And I'll answer questions. Let me try to pull up my social here. Okay, this is a question that I was asked a little bit earlier that I kind of alluded to. Uh, where some, This is from somebody who was on one of my business training. What about what you said, Ty, about Picasso? So if you're in the 67 Steps, you know I talk about this concept that, um, especially at the beginning, you should copy. So that kind of goes a, a, a opposed to what Peter Thiel here is saying. And let me just, I mentioned this before, but let me just, kind of clarify this for you. If you purely innovate, okay, you take a much higher amount of risk. So if you're just starting out as an entrepreneur and your idea is the most crazy thing, nobody's ever wanted it before, it's the nudist Buddhist idea. Your idea is to have a underwater basket weaving online video educational course. You're taking more of a risk. So I think the important thing to remember is guys like Peter Thiel who are billionaires, they've already made their money and it's, it's this kind of growth curve. Don't be afraid to go through the winter, spring, summer, and fall. Everybody wants the fall where you make a billion, but you gotta take some steps to get there. So at the beginning, I recommend that you innovate a little bit. Joel Salton told me the first year I was on his famous Polyface Farms, right out of high school doing an apprenticeship. He said, Ty, for the first year, I don't want you to innovate. I just want you to do what I say and learn my way. And as you do my way, that's will create what Johnson in the book Where Good Ideas Come From will create the adjacent possible. It'll add new ideas that will bounce around, or sorry, old ideas that will bounce around. And over time, winter, spring, summer, fall, it will couple with new innovations I have. When you play the piano, think about it. You're playing the piano, okay? You're a little kid. 
What do they start you off on? They start you off often on Bach, Beethoven. Now, there's some bad on that. Sometimes kids get burnout. But if you're not burnout and they make it exciting for you and you like the piano, guess what? Learning the fundamentals first and just copying the music of Bach and Beethoven gives you a tremendous edge so that you can become a great concert pianist. If you look at the greatest concert pianist of all time, that's the model that they've done. So you start out a little bit less innovative and as you go through life, you become more innovative. So let me get to the third I wanna get here. Uh, by the way, buy this book uh, if you're in business or considering going into business for yourself. You wouldn't wanna be without the ideas and concepts of one of the greatest thinkers and business people of our time, okay? He's a chess master, he's a genius, he's, in, he's got crazy cool political ideas if you read up on some of his stuff. He has tremendous insight into businesses, the top businesses, because he has access on a daily basis to people like Mark Zuckerberg and pretty much anyone he wants. So, building a monopoly. Remember he says the problem with the airline industry is that they're experiencing perfect competition. If there's no innovation and differentiation that you do about what you do, you will fall into that trap and you won't capture value. You'll create value, you'll do a lot of stuff for other people and you'll fall into what Joel Salton said, Ty, it's better to do nothing for nothing than something for nothing. An airline, which is averaging at $137 per uh, way, so a round trip ticket, they're making about $250, $60, and they're only averaging 37, you know, if it's round trip, they're averaging under a dollar created. That's a nightmare business. You might want to do it just out of the goodness of your heart, like charity, and that's fine, nothing wrong, the world needs that too. But if your goal is to have some level of profit, listen closely to what uh, he says in his book, in the last mover advantage on page 53. He says, building a monopoly. He says, branding, scaling, network effects, having technology. And some competition uh, combinations define a monopoly for you. But he says, here's the key of this book. The, but to get them to work, you need to choose your market carefully and expand deliberately. So, whether you're making a million bucks a year right now, whether you're a million dollars in the hole, or maybe you're like Donald Trump, you're seven billion in debt. He says, Peter Thiel's advice to you is start small and monopolize. He says, every startup is small at the start. Every monopoly dominates a large share of its market. Therefore, every startup should start with a very small market. He says this, now listen, always err on the side of starting too small. The reason is simple. It's easier to dominate a small market than a large one. He says if you think your initial market might be too big, it almost certainly is. Now there's one little point that I'll add, but let me give you an illustration of this. MySpace, 2004, 2005, 2006, started by some of my buddies here in Hollywood. Three or four guys, Tom is the one you know, but a whole bunch of roommates started MySpace and it grew to the dominant uh, force in social networking on the internet, globally growing, eventually selling for hundreds and close to a billion dollars of value at one point. 
but you know what took MySpace out to the point where now MySpace was recently purchased by Justin Timberlake and a few acquaintances of mine in Orange County here for $15 million. It went from something at a billion dollar level down to nothing. What happened? Well, a guy named Mark Zuckerberg followed the formula that Peter Thiel lays out in his book. How did Facebook start and come to dominate and push out every other social network in the world? How did it come to not just have a million customers, but to the, at the billion customer level? Something almost never done before. If Facebook was a religion, they say, if you counted minutes spent per person, per person on the planet, Facebook would be the third biggest religion after Christianity and Islam. So, why? Because he followed always erring on the side of starting too small. Zuckerberg started the Facebook, it was called, in just his room to just get his roommates and himself access to cute girls to go on dates with. Then from there he expanded to the total university, just the university he was in. It's easy to dominate just one university when MySpace is dominating the world because MySpace doesn't have time to focus on just one university. But you're there. You can focus on that. And Mark Zuckerberg did. And then Mark Zuckerberg next moved to where? He moved to only universities, but he went larger. Step by step, as Charlie Munger said, go to bed a little wiser than you were the day before. Step by step, you get ahead, but not necessarily in small spurts. Genghis Khan conquered the world. Alexander the Great, he did it one city at a time. He would lay siege to one city, sometimes for a month, sometimes he'd have to stay three years, but he didn't move to the next city until he had taken that one. Now, I hope you're not conquering violently, but you can conquer with good ideas, and that's what Zuckerberg did. He had a better idea, and it wasn't just an idea. It was a sophisticated plan that started with monopolizing a small market, moving to a larger one, and after he dominated, I remember you had to have a dot, an at edu college address and everybody wanted an at edu because you wanted to be on Facebook. Very smart guys. So guess what next? Once he took that, then he moved to the entire United States. Even Amazon, Jeff Bezos, he started selling books only in the United States, only in certain countries. Only recently has he expanded globally. If it takes these great billion dollars, uh, billion dollar companies time to expand step by step, Every startup should start with a very small market. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing now with the business, as you expand your product line, as you go after more customers, dominate a small market. Then you'll be able to capture more value. You won't be in perfect competition like airlines and only make 37 cents on the dollar. You'll be able to make 20, 30, 40% margins like Google does. Okay? So. Stay tuned every day. It's 11.30 in the morning, California time. Do the math for wherever you are in the world. Load your questions up in Twitter for me. We'll be talking about tomorrow's book of the day. Watch for it. Now, I'm gonna give you, I want to put this offer up. Should be a button below. Invest in yourself. Invest in yourself in the holidays when the whole world is investing in things that rust, rot, and depreciate. Things that go against what my... Mentor Dr. Gordon Hazard said, Ty, never invest in things that rust, rot, and depreciate. The idea is in a book like this. The idea is if you take this 24-book challenge where twice a month we meet, you come in the private VIP, we do it. It's, this is a public TV show. We do this private. 
is me, you one-on-one -on -one in a small group. You can ask questions, it's interactive. And more importantly, you get the ideas of the greatest books, the greatest thinkers. You get what I've learned in being in business and being an investor. Invest in yourself, it's about two bucks a day. And you're throwing in today, I'm throwing in this book absolutely free for you. And I'm throwing in $100 worth of bonuses. So you're getting about $120 worth of value. And it's just two bucks a day. So it's something like $67. You can uh, go through it at your own pace. I give you the curriculum. It combines the best of college and the best of self-learning. Self-learning has weaknesses and pros and cons, and so does uh, going to a formal school. This is going to give you the best of both. So I'll see you inside. Buy this book. Revolutionary book. One of the great thinkers of all time. Talk to you soon. See you tomorrow at 1130 in the morning. Thanks so much.